Some of the problem with scripture on occasion is that it becomes so familiar that we miss out on some key pieces. What I'm going to start uh, that I've never done in ministry before is to focus simply on one set of verses each Sunday. This is one of our favorites, one of my favorites particularly, and it is out of Isaiah 40, uh, verses 28 to 31. And it's that beautiful scripture of all the things that go before potentially soaring on wings like eagles. As you picture the Grand Canyon, also hear what these, might, these words might have to do with us when we gather together for worship. What is worship? What is the hoped for outcome of it? And I think we'll find them in these words. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Holy wisdom, holy word, thanks be to God. In first service, what uh, we had on the screens was a, a beautiful picture of... Um, oh, there's a beautiful picture. I speak and, John, you're amazing. The Grand Canyon. And I asked them to talk about what, uh, what is it that created this phenomenon, this crack, as you will, in the earth. And what created it, as we know, as we stand, and if you look at this picture, you see layer upon layer of strata and terra firma. But even beyond that, what you see even from above is the incredible history that until we go intimately into it, until we discover what is at each layer, do we understand more clearly what was the event of time that that particular layer represented. We, we talk about, and you look at the beauty of the crags, and we can't even grasp it in a picture. Even, uh, even a picture from above doesn't fully capture what is the Grand Canyon. And I want to talk about this a little bit today as, as we move into this series about our new vision. And there's a reason that I'm starting with one, the first question, which is, are you engaged in a service of worship or a class that deepens your faith? And I want to look at this. Dorothy and I, over the last probably month or so, maybe six weeks, have been watching the Ken Burns documentary on the national parks. If you have not seen that, it is absolutely phenomenal, breathtaking in so many ways. We, we spent enough time at both Sequoia and Yosemite when living in Southern California that those two hold a very, very special place for us. But it was so interesting then watching, um, Burns spends a fair amount of time on the Grand Canyon and, and talks about what created it. But if you remember what created it, and we don't really know how many millions of years went into the creation of this one geological place? Billions, some would say. But what created it was basically friction. Friction. The movement of water along specific channels that would hit very specific places in the earth 
and carry away pieces over time. It would sometimes flood and then recede, causing other places to change. With every moment, in every second, with every molecule of water, something changed. And it's not done. It's still changing. It changes every day. If we look at it again, there are places from above where you can't even see the river because of the way that the, the valleys are created. so narrow and so steep that you can no longer even see that which created it and continues to create it. There are places where the river runs very quickly and rapidly and we, we you hear in Ken Burns' documentary about the deaths that have happened in the rapids there because they're so ferocious. But there are also places where the water slows and becomes beautiful and placid. But no matter what, the water is flowing and it creates and continues to create. But there's something interesting, almost mystical, about those who visit the Grand Canyon. It's one thing to look at it from above. It's something completely different to climb down into it. And it happened that um, Jenny was sitting, Jenny Andrews was sitting right here in the front at first service, and I knew that Jenny had just gone and come back from the Grand Canyon. And so we talked, I said, so, so what was your favorite part? And she said, climbing back up. <laughs> climbing back up? What do you mean climbing back up? She says, climbing down is much more difficult. And for those who have experienced it, you would, I think, agree. You're not sure about your footing. If you're on the mule, you're terrified that that little puppy's going over the edge. <laughs> and, and, and yet, around every turn as you go down, you suddenly are into a completely different ecosystem. It's miraculous in so many ways. And, and yet, the stress on your body is so much more significant on the trip down than it is on the trip back up. I, I kept thinking about you two in Machu Picchu on the, in Peru and looking at that trip there. But in, in, in this case, what is it about the trip down versus the trip up? And she said that, that coming up, you're, you've, you've already seen all of this and you look more close and you're able to see even other intimate pieces of the strata as you're going back up, but all you want to do is get up and rest. And then you get up to the top and it's, it's just over, overwhelming and joyous now that you've seen what's in the depths. I'm tempted to ask you to do, and, and maybe just briefly, I won't ask you to do it the way that, quite the way I did it in first service, but with that in mind, I want you to look around the sanctuary this morning. I want you to look at faces. And more importantly, what I want you to do is look at the lines. <laughs> I know that I'm dealing with women who care about the lines in their faces. You can see them? <laughs> no. No, I, I don't see any. So look at the men. Dave, you could stand up right now, but no. But, but look, look at the lines. Look at the lines in each face and understand that every one of those lines represents history. And not just age. 
I, we talked about what creates the lines, and immediately four or five people said at the same time, children! <laughs> but there's more than children that create those lines. What do we call them? Remember what we call them? We call them laugh lines. Okay, we call them crow's feet. <laughs> but think about the history of every single person in this sanctuary and the pieces that created those lines. Some here, some here, others in other plants, some here, some here. The incredible movement of history, some of it being friction that created those lines. Some of it being stress. I, I, you know, for years now, particularly after the work before being a pastor, that's where these bags came from. And I've been working terribly hard to try and get rid of them, but I don't know that they'll ever go away. But this week I looked at them differently as I prepared for this message. These are representative of life, of an amazing part of life. What's interesting as we look at the lines on our faces and what created those and how similar sometimes those are to what we see in the Grand Canyon. If we think about our lives, one of the things that we try and do in worship is to allow us to journey down, journey deeper to take that winding path down and as the deeper we go into our souls at every turn we see different history different pieces of the strata different memories that we have that we have even different ecosystems if you will of our lives those memories the soul is that container that holds it all and there as i, I had a conversation with someone yesterday here in the office and we talked about the difference between the soul as that container of memory and the container of the Holy Spirit potentially and the brain that also holds memory and between those two I believe is this filter that allows us to cope with or deal with or come to terms with or celebrate those things that we've experienced and whether or not those can penetrate into the soul and that the only way that can happen is if we engage with God. God changes our perspective of that journey from brain to soul if we allow God to do that work. What's interesting, and I said this in the prayer, is that what's amazing about this God that we seek and that we believe in is that the whole spiritual life is set up not in God just being ever-present, but in the fact that we have to make a decision to go deeper. Like standing on that south rim or one of the rims and deciding that we're going to take the journey down to the Colorado River at the base of the Grand Canyon, we make a decision of whether or not we will fully engage with God really every day. And that the whole purpose of worship is to allow us that time of engagement that is set apart so that we might be able to have the opportunity to go deeper. So much of it depends on what is our perception of God. I don't know how you don't believe in a God when you look at that. 
It's incredible, miraculous, the beauty. And you look all around us anywhere. Look at where we live and how can you look in a day like this where it's beautiful and sunny and look at that mountain and not believe in some force greater than ourselves. The role of worship is that, to engage that creator and allow that creator to go deeper. And there are ways and things that we can do to take that deeper. You took us deeper there this morning with that, with that piece of music. That was absolutely stunning. We do take it deeper when we go into a time of prayer. We take it deeper when we engage with each other. And oh, by the way, what does engage mean? So much more than what happens before a wedding. I talked uh, about this this morning with the, with the kids and, and then into the sermon of, you know, I can sit here and I can hold this book and I can flip through the pages and I can smell the new glue and I can, if I flip through, see once in a while something in there. I can look at it and I can look at the colors but if I'm truly engaging in this, I'm opening it and studying it and exploring it and exploring it not just by myself but with others and allowing that engagement with this book to do things in my soul, therefore in my life in the actions that I take on any given day. I registered for the STP last Tuesday, the Seattle to Portland bike ride. <laughs> And I thought about engagement. My bike is set up on what's called a trainer. It's a tripod where you place the back wheel of the bike in that trainer and you can ride it and go through the gears and it's, it's exceptionally difficult if you allow it to be. And Dorothy will attest to the fact that there is, I've got a towel over the handlebar so that the sweat doesn't, I'm sorry, but the sweat doesn't go down into the rug. <laughs> but I could, I could just... Look at that bike. Look at how beautiful it is. Look at how symmetrical those two wheels are. <laughs> Notice that seat and what could happen on that. And just stand back in awe of the bike. But is that truly engaging in it? Isn't the engagement climbing on? and cycling in a way that does something not only for my soul, but for my body. To go deeper knowing what's coming, a 200 mile bike ride in July, and engaging every day to move toward that 200 mile bike ride in July, engaging in that bicycle, and not just leaving it then on the, tra on the trainer, but there's gonna come a point where that thing's gotta go outside and back on the road, deeper, engagement. You can come to church. I could stand here before you every Sunday and not say a word. Just stare at you. How's that feel? A little weird, I think, but, but the engagement happens in, in 
the interaction. And the engagement happens when I say something and I look over and Lee's smiling. <laughs> or Sanford's frowning. <laughs> the engagement happens because we go deeper and, and have history with each other. The engagement happens because of the relationship that we're developing and in that relationship the engagement happens as we continually seek to go deeper with each other, to carry each other, to support and love and encourage each other. The hope for worship is to hear a message that helps us do that, to engage in a time of worship that opens our souls maybe in new ways so that we perceive this greatest of all things, this God of creation, in ways that maybe, 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 Five minutes before we walked in, we didn't realize. But something happened in this room. Engagement. Am I engaged in a worship or class that deepens my faith? One of the things that I talked about in coming to a close here, the kids, is, is we talked about putting on the clothing of renewal. Every pebble, every grain of sand, every rock, everything that moves beyond this incredible canyon moves out. And that canyon is renewed. In every moment, that canyon is made new. What is it about engaging in scripture and engaging in worship and engaging with each other that allows us to be made new? And the Hebrews, the ancient Hebrews, had a, 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 a term for renewal. It was, it was not about anything spiritual per se, but it was about changing clothes. That's what brought renewal. I talked about the, the robe of a judge and the robe of a pastor and why we wear robes as, as clergy. That, and that the robe of the judge is a, a role kind of a, of a renewal. Once he puts that robe on, he disappears or she disappears and becomes the law, the living law. The purpose of the robe for the pastor is that the person is to disappear and that the word is to come forward. Capital W of God is to come forward. And this, this is called a stole. One of the kids asked me if I stole it. <laughs> no. This, as this is placed on the shoulders of a pastor, is to become the mantle of Christ. That we approach this exceptionally humbly. The role of clergy. And you need to know that every Sunday when I put my robe on, Every Sunday when I place this over my shoulders, I am deeply humbled of the privilege of what it is to stand before you and try and bring you something that will deepen your faith. But I also recognize I am not alone in this work, that God is here as well. No matter what I say, that filtering mechanism that is you can take it and make it a part of who you are and hopefully it becomes a moment of renewal for you. That's worship. Let me close with this. I love eagles. It is absolutely my favorite bird. 
And as Dorothy and I sit on the deck of our place and we look over this beautiful placid lake, just on the far side is a snag that comes out of this, this cliff of rock. And on that snag often live two eagles. And as we kayak under that, the eagle will often just sit there and watch us. And last time we were up there, we, we went kayaking um, in the snow. And there's something just mystical about kayaking with the earth covered with snow. There were two feet of snow up at our place. And, and, and suddenly, Dorothy in a very quiet voice and <laughs> If you know Dorothy, quiet is really hard. But she did it. She said, Bruh! And this eagle had just spread its wings and flew directly not 10 feet over her head. And you could see it looking down at her and then soared back up and landed on a branch and just <coughs> watched. And we were there together. Not once in the midst of that, until it came to the branch, did those wings move. Not once. It's incredible. Incredible how the wings of an eagle utilize those updrafts and those elements of creation that allows it to just soar. With that in mind, listen to these words again. I close with the Isaiah scripture again, but just tweaked a little bit. I want to remind us that this scripture was written in a time where renewal was essential. They had lost everything and yet kept hearing the word that something else was coming that might renew them again. This is a, these words of hope, of restoration, and it begins this part with these words. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting. The creator of all things. God does not grow tired or weary. And the understanding God has for us simply cannot be fathomed. Yet we do know this. If we allow ourselves, God will give strength even to the weary. God will increase the power even of the weak. All humanity grows tired. They stumble and fall. But those who engage find hope, trust in and worship God will have their strength renewed. And those things that have created roadblocks and dams in their souls, those things will be cleared away like the water of the canyon. Then their strength will be renewed. Then they will soar on wings like eagles. Seemingly effortless, but on the currents of creation. Then they will run and climb and learn. Then they will walk and ride and laugh and love. Then they shall search and find and they can help and heal and they will not fail. The lines on their faces will be transformed into canyons of joy. And they will be filled with the kind of living water that will run through them, deepen them, nourish and uplift them, recreate and renew them. And they will be the children of God. This 
is what worship is to do for us. Will you pray with me? God of all creation, how can we fathom the love that you have for us? A love that lives through all time. How can we fathom how you seek to be in relationship with us? Seek to help us remove those things that stand in our way to bring the mountains down and the valleys up. The mountains of the obstacles of the dark places in our lives. And you like, yet like that which created this beautiful canyon, those things can be carried away and moved to other places, recreated into ways that become something nourishing, even beyond ourselves. In this new year, source of all life, may we be renewed so that we might be a blessing beyond this place in this community, in this country, and in this world of need. Anoint us, engage us, prepare us, all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.